This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, Bokertov, Shavuotov, how are you? Bokertov, Shavuotov. Um, I thought the listeners might be interested in a, a story that really is not related to the war, and yes, it's quite closely linked. And that's the story yesterday that Bensi Gopstein, who is a very well known um, far right activist, I was brought before Jerusalem Magistrates Court on charges of incitement to racism. And he was indeed convicted of that charge yesterday. So this is a Jewish right-wing extremist who um, has been very, very vocal about referring to the Arab public as enemies and calling calling the, them cancer, denouncing the dangerous cancer of coexistence. These are the words of Bensi Gopstein, he's condemned ministers in the government being without a brain who encourage coexistence. Yeah. That's been his sure. line of rhetoric. And yesterday he was brought before the Jerusalem Magistrates Court and he was very quickly convicted of incitement to racism um, and he will be jailed for that. Um, so I just thought that it was an important point to make, particularly in the um, the, the situation that we find ourselves right now. He was very surprised, saying that um, he thought that the war situation might allow the court and the general public to view his comments in a slightly different light and that people may agree with the approach that he's been, taken, that he's been taking. Um, the concerning thing, of course, is the fact that he's very, very closely linked to um, mm. minister in the government, Itamar Ben-Gvir. Mm. Um, they have some sort of a connection with each other. And so there is some concern about that. But it's just a story which I think is relevant to the way that people see Israel. And it's something that's going on right now, even though we are clearly very much preoccupied with the war because we're fighting now on a number of different fronts um, with the developments of re- in recent days. Absolutely, absolutely right. Uh, very, very interesting indeed. Right, uh, let's just uh, let's just uh, talk about some of the questions. The latest reports from the battlefields in Gaza and in the north. So, um, the reports from Gaza still focus very much around the area of Khan Yunus uh, and that the IDF soldiers are very much active in the work that they're doing in Khan Yunus to undercover tu- to uncover tunnels and um, to uh, eradicate interest, uh, infrastructure, terrorist infra- inst- infrastructure in that area, and also still rounding up many, many terrorists who are active in the Gaza Strip, even though, according to IDF statistics, something like 9,000 Hamas terrorists have already been killed in the Gaza Strip. There just seems to be an endless supply of them. 
and they are still very much active um, around Khan Yunus and other areas in, in the Gaza Strip. And a lot of the reports that we are getting um, focus on um, the work that's being done around Khan Yunus, also around Rafah further to the south. Lots of talk about what happens to the refugees, many of whom have moved to that area from the north of the Gaza Strip. Quite a number of maps being shown that demonstrate the extent to which the IDF has taken control of certain areas of the Gaza Strip and yet has not taken control or full control of other parts. And there is, um, of course, a, a great deal of concern about the safety of the hostages. And there is little doubt in my mind that this war would have been fought in an entirely different way mm. were it not for the hostage issue and the concern Do you think that was the Hamas strategy? Is that why they took these hostages? Undoubtedly. Mm. Undoubtedly. I mean, Hamas's strategy, as we've seen, is one of using human shields. And they know that their own civilians present something of a human shield and that the IDF is clearly concerned about trying to protect civilian lives. And so, therefore, there is a, a change in the IDF tactics when civilians are clearly involved. Um, but when it comes to our civilians and our people, I think that's an entirely different discussion. And I think that the way that the IDF is, has fought the war um, would have been very, very different were it not for the concern about the safety of the hostages. And I've little doubt that that was in Hamas's mind. They've seen um, the extent to which Israel values life and values Israeli lives in particular, um, as you would expect. And so uh, I have little doubt that that was certainly part of their strategy. So that's the sort of summary from Gaza um, without going into too many details. Unfortunately, still losses of life um, a number of soldiers were killed over the weekend. Um, and of course, we mourn each and every life that's lost. Um, the statistics tell us that since the ground offensive, 188 soldiers have been killed and 1,113 have been wounded. Um, that is since um, the ground offensive began in Gaza. And our heart is broken for each and every life that has been lost, not only during the ground offensive, but indeed since October the 7th and that uh, horrific massacre that took place. News from the northern border is that things continue to escalate continually. We just see each day another little tick up. And yesterday there was an incident where um, a, an anti-tank missile was fired from Lebanon towards the town of Kfar Yuval, um, and it actually um, hit a target in Kfar Yuval. Um, a, a, a security uh, team member in Kfar Yuval, a 45-year-old, was killed in that incident. And his mother was very, very seriously injured and later died of her wounds. So two casualties in Kfar Yuval on the northern border yesterday, uh, with um, also another person um, being um, injured in the process. Um, and so, again, another tick up in terms of the intensity of the battle along the northern border. Um, and there seems now to me to be little doubt that this is um, a slippery slope towards some sort of a more open conflict. I don't think it'll happen today, but every day that goes by just seems to take us closer and closer to the moment when things are going to open up a little bit more. And I just wonder 
whether the IDF is not trying to time it to some degree. We've seen attacks towards the Mount Dove area. We've seen um, the uh, attacks that were took place towards Meron. We've seen now this attack towards Clarival. It's kind of getting to the moment when <clears throat> the IDF is going to turn around and say, look, we're going to have to take our gloves off and deal with the situation because um, the number of attacks that we're experiencing on the northern border are intolerable and that we're going to just need to take a little bit more uh, care of that. So, um, you know, my expectation is that we still haven't seen the end of events on the northern border. The IDF continues their activities within Judea and Samaria, a lot of cleaning up within that area. And of course, let's talk about the Houthis who mm, now mm. have drawn the US and the UK into attacking them in their bases in Yemen, even though um, those airstrikes have taken place and apparently have been successful. We can not kid ourselves to believe that the Houthis are now cowering and running for their lives. They really are not. And the, w the work that's been done by the US and the UK to try to disable some of the Houthi capabilities have really not even touched sides in terms of what the Houthis are able to do. And the missiles continue to fly towards ships in the Red Sea. The whole um, ship, the traffic of shipping um, through the Red Sea and through the Suez Canal has uh, become a fraction of what it used to be. This has a major economic impact on Egypt in particular, because it, of course Egypt charges for tra uh, travel through the Suez Canal. And as a result of ships staying away from the Red Sea, there is a much lower number of ships traveling through the Suez Canal. So this is having a real major impact on the economy of Egypt. Um, and they won't be happy about that at all. Um, so this is a very, very interesting situation where now other powers are being drawn in, including, by the way, Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. And let's not forget Qatar, who are still playing this dual game where um, the American airbase in Qatar is being used to um, allow um, American Air Force planes to attack Yemen. So Qatar is still playing, or even more so, playing both sides of this particular conflict, um, with them being involved in allowing the American planes to take off from there to uh, attack against Houthi targets. So that's really a summary of where we're at in terms of the various fronts that Israel is fighting at the moment. And of course, you know, there is no end in sight, at least for now. Um, this seems to be something that we're going to be involved with for the next few months, I'm saying even until the end of this year or thereabouts, um, I could quite possibly see that happening. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about the reaction to from Israel in particular to the International Court of Justice hearing last week. Mm. So, I mean, I, I heard you mentioning um, this uh, with some reader reaction, with some listener reactions, I'm sorry, about um, Israel's case that was presented on Friday at the International Court of Justice. And you and I exchanged some um, messages as well during the day on Friday. Mm. I thought that Dr. Tal Becker was just amazing in the way that he presented Israel's point of view. He didn't seem to leave anything out that was of any importance. He told a story which was very, very real. We could all absolutely associate ourselves with all of the words that he said. I think that he presented it sublimely and extremely well, and he did us all proud um, in the way that he presented. He, by the way, is a, um, a, a legal um, um, a legal uh, person 
um, working for the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Um, and so he has been involved in negotiating peace agreements for Israel and, and, and a number of other activities in the past. Um, but I saw, thought that his um, presentation on Friday was amazing. For any of those listeners who haven't had a chance to listen to it and who have a half an hour spare uh, and who want to listen to something which I believe to be really worthwhile, I think you should listen to Dr. Talbecker's presentation mm -hmm. to the International Court of Justice. It was amazing, really, really incredible. And I think he said everything that we all felt needed to be said. And there were quite a lot of technical arguments um, presented by uh, Professor Malcolm Shaw, who is the lead King's counsel on the case for on the Israeli side. Um, but what was interesting for me is the reaction on the street of Israel. And the reaction of the street of Israel has become so anti-South African that it's just all of a sudden everybody's talking about South Africa's involvement in this particular issue. And of course, with my South African links, um, a lot of people are approaching me to say, what's up? What's happening? Why is South Africa all of a sudden taking this view against Israel? Has South Africa always been so anti-Israel? So many questions being asked about South Africa's involvement. And why is it that South Africa all of a sudden has become involved in this case and picked it up? Um, and um, I think that those questions are very valid and very relevant. And I don't pretend to have answers to all of them. Um, but, you know, I've heard some people saying, oh, I won't be buying any South African produce from our supermarkets anymore. It's sort of kind of a, a, a real turnaround from what we've seen where people have said, we're not buying Israeli produce mm, from mm. the supermarkets in South Africa. All of a sudden now, people are really feeling injured. People are feeling hurt. I mean, mm, I don't mm. think that there's a real anti-South African sentiment. I think they're just feeling hurt that at this particular moment uh, in our weakest time, that this is what's happening, that we're really being, you know, jabbed in, in a very sensitive spot and during a weak time. And why? What is the, What are the grounds? And just to add something that Dr. Talbecker did talk about, but not in these numbers, because some of the um, statistics have been released by the IDF. And I thought that um, that listeners might be interested to hear about the communication and evacuation efforts on the, that that Israel has made in Gaza since the start of this ground offensive. And this is just bearing in mind that this is a country charged with genocide. Let's not forget. Mm. And showing uh, genocide means showing intent to try to destroy, in part or in whole, a nation. And so the the numbers that have come out are that. Uh, in terms of communication initiatives, Israel has made 79,000 phone calls, has dropped 7.2 million leaflets, has sent 13.7 million text messages, and has sent 15 million recorded calls to ask civilians in Gaza to evacuate areas that are going to be subject to Israeli military activity. Okay, so we're talking about about 30 to 40,000 communicate million, sorry, 30 to 40 million communication attempts to try to get people to evacuate areas that will be subject to military activity. That doesn't sound to me like genocide. I don't know how you guys interpret it. But to me, it just doesn't sound anything like genocide as was presented by the South African case. And this is the one thing that I just wanted to mention about the case that was presented South Africa, which to, by South Africa, which to me said a lot. Um, 
there was, I think, a, a document of something like 500 pages that was presented by the South African legal team to the court. And within those 500 pages, there was one paragraph, one paragraph that was dedicated to the massacre on October the 7th, a mention in passing of the massacre on October the 7th, as if though it had almost no role to play in everything that is yeah they become quite then. offended that i mean on on social media they're saying yeah and uh, you know october the 7th october the 7th well yeah you know it's like telling americans as uh, not to refer to 9/11 after after it existed after it happened i don't think there's but, but the reality is if you don't care if you don't feel for other people and you don't feel for 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 dead jews it's it's irrelevant yeah, so that was really, for me, the, the, the major kind of elephant in the room is that this October the 7th massacre seems to almost be irrelevant to them as far as the case that was mm, presented mm. to the ICJ was concerned. Um, but, of course, we will wait to hear in the next few weeks what the ICJ has to say on the, uh, on the injunction application. The rest is going to take a much longer time. Um, I feel that there isn't a case to be answered. I think that when it comes to genocide and the true a description and the, the true intention of genocide there is really nothing like that that can be pinned on israel but i guess um the court will decide absolutely that is where we leave it anthony Reich, thank you as always we'll catch you tomorrow morning 7 45 for the israel report that israel report was brought to you by the blue agency your israel property is in good hands hi it's barry cohen from the blue agency Israel is currently facing one of its biggest challenges ever. All of Klal Israel is praying for the safety of our soldiers and the return of the hostages. We hope and pray that our soldiers and security forces will prevail and that they will all return home speedily and triumphant. We hold the hands of our clients and friends who have children serving in Sahal, who are protecting Israel and Jews around the world. May Hashem protect us all. Oh,